6.34 in the morning, you're on the Wake Up Tucson. We're bumping all Elvis today, all three hours. Let's go right to the phones. Let's go to Surgeon General Dr. Jerome, Ad- Jerome Adams. Dr. Adams, good morning and welcome. Good morning, and I'm digging the Elvis. Uh, I did a radio interview with Dallas a little earlier, and they were they were on the James Brown, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty oh, good today. yeah. That's a good. We, we, we've done some dream, James Brown's days in our uh, in our in our in our past. So uh, you just hit us on Elvis Day. Good morning and welcome. Do, now, do I call you Doctor General? What do you want me to call you? The doctor is fine. Okay. I tell folks I'm the Surgeon General, but I'm neither a surgeon nor a general. I'm actually an anesthesiologist, and my rank is Admiral. Well, uh, Admiral Doctor Adams, welcome to the show, sir. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about the journey this country has been on since really that mid-March to today, right? From the doom and gloom of Niall Ferguson and Imperial College models, which most of these models didn't really work out and they're interesting on how they arrived there. And if I told you we were at this part of where we're at as a country in March, like you can go back in time until Dr. Adams in March, we're going to be here in July. How would you, how would you take that message of where we're at today? Well, that's a great way to look at it. And uh, if we were in March and uh, and we would have said we're going to be uh, where we are here here in July, uh, we would have been happy with that. Right. Um, that said, or, or we, I don't want to say happy because it's tragic any time we lose life. But I would have said that would have been better than what our expectations would have uh, would have been. And, and I want to say that's a testament to the people of America and the people of Arizona, quite frankly really doing their part during our 30 days to slow the spread, um, really helping us um, prevent, prevent the spread of disease. And I want folks to know that we're in a really different place than what we were in February and March. We know more about who gets the disease and how to protect them, and that's why the average age of case diagnosis has gone down a decade and a half. We have better treatments like remdesivir, steroids, and convalescent plasma, and people are actually getting out of the hospital sooner, and the mortality rate is much lower. Uh, we, we actually are uh, doing better in terms of personal protective equipment. We're approaching 50 million tests, so we are better able to detect the disease and protect our healthcare workers. That doesn't mean we're out of the woods. Um, we are concerned when you look at 70,000 cases per day, um, but cases don't have the equal consequences if we do the things that we know are effective to slow the spread. And uh, the, the, the point that I just really want to make today is that I'm a big believer in, uh, in our federalism uh, uh, setup of the United States government. I believe that the power should be at the local level. I'm a big believer in personal responsibility. Uh, that said, if you want to maintain your independence, then that comes with responsibilities. That comes with obligations. And uh, we know that in many cases they're debating over whether or not people opened up too early but the fact is, if you look at California, California uh, closed early, opened late, and they're still having the same problems as Arizona, Texas, and Florida. Why is it? It's because, to some extent, it doesn't matter when you open. It's when you open, people still try to go back to the old ways of congregating close together and not wearing face coverings. But if you want to stay open, if you want to have football in the fall, if you want to be able and we need to do the things that will help slow the spread. Well, so at the same time, right, so we're talking about, our, you know, we have a brand new flu that basically, a, a, a virus that hit America, right? We have we have viruses that we've never developed vaccines for, right? As you know, there's multiple of those. 
right? And with most exactly. viruses, right, you know, when you get a virus, your doctor says, well, there's nothing I can do except with the virus except we're going to figure out how to manage your symptoms. I mean, being the nov- nov- novel virus that this is, isn't that what's really going on in the end? Right? Isn't well, this- that is, you, you, you are exactly right. And one of the things I want folks to know is that while we are on record pace to develop a vaccine, uh, we're still looking at spring of next year before you could get to a point where you have vaccine widely available to people um, and, and that they actually have immunity. So we're going to have to get through the fall, the winter, and probably early spring uh, with what we've got right now. Now, you mentioned a physician. Um, a, a lot of what we do is supportive care. We're getting better at that. But uh, the other thing a doctor would tell you is, hey, do the things that we've been telling you to do to prevent the spread of infectious diseases, like washing your hands, like staying home if you're sick. And we know that in particular for this disease, what's made it incredibly tricky for, for us to be able to contain is that a lot of people spread it before they have symptoms, before they have a cough or cold or a fever. So uh, it's why we're encouraging people to wear face coverings. And you've heard debates over mandates. I have three kids at home. Uh, at the end of the day, I can tell them to do something and I can make them do something. But if they don't understand and buy into it, they're only going to do it when I'm watching. So and they're only going to do it half-heartedly. So it's important that people understand why face coverings work and that they uh, understand it benefits them to wear it because we can open up more places and we can get back to some sense of normal. We're uh, talking to Surgeon General Dr. Jerome Adams here on Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice. Um, so there's so many questions I have to ask you. Let's talk about some, another big, a big issue here. It's about trust, right, and trusting the numbers, and trusting, yes. and it, there seems to be so, and this is so tough, right? Because of, of course, it's the most crazy political year that all this is happening in, which is a problem. And at the same time, I have flip flopping on master good, master bad, master not great. We're going to do math, masks don't work. New England Journal of Medicine on May 21st said masks don't really work like you think they work. Uh, then I have the story out of Florida where none of the Orlando uh, hospitals were reporting negative cases. So, Dr. Adams, how do we do public health policy for a country of 340 me- million people in the midst of all of that craziness I just shared with you? Oh, my gosh, you hit the nail on the head. And so, number one, in the pandemic playbook, they, there was no accounting for a virus uh, the likes of we haven't seen in 100 years, number one. Uh, Number two, there's not a chapter in the pandemic playbook on impeachment. There's not a chapter in the pandemic playbook on a major social justice movement. There's not a chapter in the pandemic playbook on a presidential election. So you've got politics enmeshed in all of this. You also have, quite frankly, uh, us reaping the the unfortunate uh, results of an underfunding of public health in our country over the years. And so when you talk about reporting, uh, in many cases that reporting is occurring um, because or or reporting issues because we haven't funded public health in the way that we could have or should have. So as Surgeon General and a lifelong public health advocate, that's something I want people to remember that eventually it does catch up to you. And then the messaging. And I'm as, you know, I have to plead guilty uh, to that myself. In the beginning, we did not know about asymptomatic spread. And so the science and the WHO, the CDC, other folks was not in favor of wearing uh, masks. And so I advise people not to wear masks. Uh, What you want from your scientist is not 
I, we'd love for them always to be perfect, but science is quite frankly wrong more than it's right. It's not always about being right. It's about giving the best information you can and then having the vigilance and the humility to, to keep looking, yeah, but, and to be but able to say, "Hey, but all I was these, wrong. but all these scientists are on every national news show, right? Including a guy whose last name rhymes with Ouchie, okay? Who's making all of these kind of things that they're saying, and it just blows through, and it just either scares the hell out of half of America, right? I, I, think about this, right? Look at Doctor Vanderkoven, I, I believe her name is the one at uh, World Health Organization. If I got that wrong, I apologize. So she cites seven to eight studies in Europe that asymptomatic spread isn't going on, and then they shut her down within 24 hours. What does that mean? So when people like me see this, I'm going, where, where is – so I got, I got people on every national news show going crazy saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling, you got to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then she says asymptomatic spread according to these studies isn't happening, and then all of a sudden Dr. Van de Koven's, you know in a villa in France and no one will ever see her again. So, well, and, and to your point, that's where the trust comes in. And that's why one of the things I've always done throughout my career, and you, you and your, your listeners may not be aware, but uh, I first became famous or infamous for being at the helm when we had to deal with the largest HIV outbreak related to injection drug use in the history of the United States in rural Scott County, Indiana. First time they'd ever had anything like that. Right. And one of the lessons I learned is I had to get out of my office, I had to get out of the big city. I had to drive to that community and sit and talk with those people, break bread with them, find out what was going on. Because uh, these studies are different because you can't compare Iceland or or New Zealand or some of these places to the United States. Germany is the size of Montana geographically. We've got to get into these communities, and it's why we sent a team to Arizona, a team to Tucson, to figure out what's going on and to help people understand why the disease is spreading in their communities and help them understand the steps they can take, but also to listen to them and find out what they need for us to be able to help them. That's how you build trust. Dr. Adams, did we flatten the curve successfully? Uh, We did flatten the curve. Our hospital systems were not overwhelmed. Uh, We are worried that hospitalizations are going up again, and so that's why one of the things I wanted to say to the people of Arizona is kudos to you for what you've been doing over the last couple of weeks because the positivity rate, which is the first indicator that we get, is leveling off, and, uh, and uh, I don't want to, to be too premature, but it looks like it may be going down again. And so uh, we flattened the curve in the beginning, and uh, the people of Arizona are doing what it takes to flatten the curve again. And I just want folks to know that we can have restaurants open. We can have schools open. We can have baseball games again. Uh, it'll be a little bit different, but if we just do the simple things like wear a face covering when out in public, um, and, and go to coronavirus.gov because there's a pandemic of misinformation just as there's a pandemic of uh, a virus out there. Uh, and, and just l- work at a community level to really, to, to really do the right things and reopen things and, and forget about the national media. I mean, honestly, uh, that's why I love talking to you because everything uh, on a national level is framed through a political lens. I want the people of Tucson to know what's going on in, in their areas and to be able to uh, – to respond in a way that will benefit them. So, Dr. Adams, give me the medical right now, because, again, there's been flip-flopping on face coverings on whether or not, why where, why specifically wear a face? What does it actually do? Because every even from the CDC website, 
There's stuff that literally says, and not from like nine years ago, just from the last couple of months, that face masks don't do what everyone says they do. So is it something that makes you just more aware of the social distancing side of this? What's the? Give me the real clinical take on masks. Great question. So at the end of the day, this disease spreads person to person, and it spreads by droplets. So when we cough, when we sneeze, when we talk, when we sing, when we yell – droplets come out of our mouth. And you've seen people talking sometimes and visibly seen spit coming out of their mouth. Well, smaller particles that we don't see come out every time that we talk. And uh, they can spread to surfaces. They can go from the person who's talking to the person standing near the person who's talking. And so uh, what we knew in the past was that respiratory viruses would spread by that route, but they would typically only spread if someone actually already had symptoms, if they had a cold, a cough. A, a fever, um, a runny nose. And so we tell people to stay home, but we didn't really tell people to wear face coverings because we expected if you were sick, you would just stay at home. So, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't get all, it, does, it gets some of the droplets, right? This is a mitigating factor. Exactly. It's not a hundred percent, but it, catch, it can catch a significant proportion of the droplets if you're wearing a face covering. Just think again of the people who you see spitting when they're talking or singing or yelling. If they had a shield in front of them, a face covering, it would catch a significant proportion of that. And we know that with coronavirus, those droplets now can carry virus even if you don't have symptoms. So that's why we recommend you wear a face covering. There was a great study that came out of hairdressers in Missouri, two hairdressers who had coronavirus um, and, and uh, served over 130 different clients. And none of those clients got coronavirus uh, because those two hairdressers were wearing face coverings. And so it's not 100%. But right now it is a tool in our arsenal to be able to reopen society. And that's what I want folks to know. That one of the mistakes we made in the beginning was we tried to make things, we tried to oversimplify something that, that has been very complicated and has humbled all of us in terms of this disease. Uh, I'm not telling you a face covering is 100%. I'm telling you it's one step that you can take and little steps add up over time to be able to uh, help us reopen. I'm not a doctor. I just play one on the radio. But I feel like the number one reason there's a spread in coronavirus is the, the, the idiot who shows up to the family gathering or work who's been sick with this for the last three days. I, I, the, I, the amount, the, anecdotally, that's, that's the story I hear. Number one is, oh, my God, this person showed up for work for three days and they were sick the entire time. We know that's, that's definitely a part of it. And what you're talking about there is sometimes it's people just making – um, idiotic choices, and I've heard that. Other times, it's the fact that you have people who have frontline jobs that don't allow them to telework, and so we talk about disparities. One in five blacks and one in six Hispanics has a job that allows you to work from home. Beyond that, it's either going to work or get fired, and so we're trying to look at some of those social determinants of health. We're looking at transportation. We're looking at things that allow people to make healthier choices, but again, um, a fair degree of asymptomatic spread, and there's debates over whether it's 25% or 75%. We know on the ship of military people uh, that, that without uh, the Teddy Roosevelt, um, that 80% of the cases that we diagnosed on that ship were people who were asymptomatic. So it's different in different settings, uh, but we know that wearing a face covering, whether it's 10% or 25% or 75% when you're out, will, will play a, sm- a small part and potentially a large part and slowing the spread. But the other part of that, sick, for goodness sorry, sake, the, stay home. The other part of that, eighty percent at the Teddy Roosevelt, eighty percent of them never got sick, and they were in a they were in a tight quarters with no social distancing, no one wearing a mask. Eighty percent of those people never got corona. 
So yeah, you are so correct there, and and that's what we talk about when we're when we look at opening schools. Younger people tend not to get as sick. Um, the worry that we have actually in schools for, uh, is is more so for the teachers and the other people around who may be vulnerable. On the Teddy Roosevelt. You've got military folks. These are all young and healthy people, and so again, it's a lower risk. I, I would encourage you to look at the, exactly right. I would encourage you to look at the Diamond Princess, which was older people on the cruise ship. That was about a seventy-four yes. to seventy-five percent that no one got corona on that on that ship either. So there's so much. This is a moving target, doctor. I know it's it, you, you, no, you, no, and, and and that is exactly right. And that's why we have to sit down with populations, whether it's corrections facilities or schools or nursing homes. Nursing homes. Forty uh, percent mortality rate in the beginning uh, when you when you had uh, when you had infections, and so you're going to have different infectivities, different um, uh, different clinical manifestations, and different mortality rates in different settings. And we have to be very careful as scientists trying to extrapolate um, scenario A to scenario B, and uh, and that's what makes health communication so hard. We're trying to give national advice uh, when you have a tricky disease that plays out differently in different settings, but in general. In general, social, uh, maintaining six feet of distance, staying home when you're sick, good hand hygiene, and based on everything that we know right now, wearing a face covering. Again, none of these 100%, but will all add up to, to less spread. All right, let me ask you two more questions. I, I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'll ever talk to you again, so i got to get it all out of my system. I apologize. We'll talk again. I love this. <laughs> I love that you're, like literally, that you're putting it out there because these are the questions that the people have, and we need to be able to have an honest conversation about it without all the political BS, and I know I shouldn't be saying that as a surgeon general, Amen. but we need to be able to have an honest conversation. So I love this. All right, so my two questions are, uh, so Dr. Fauci really uh, gave me a headache, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to get you in a, in, a, in, a, in a feud or anything, but when he said case fatality rate is a false narrative, I almost, I almost, I almost, I almost, had, I almost had an aneurysm, okay? Aren't we supposed to be preventing people from dying from coronavirus, COVID-19? Isn't that one of our main goals we, as a society? We absolutely are. One of the things I want people to understand is that we have what are called leading indicators and lagging indicators. The leading indicator, which is improving in Arizona right now, is case positivity. So the number of uh, tests that they do that are positive. That was going up over the last month or so in Arizona. It's now leveling off and coming back down. If you have increasing case positivity, that turns into increased uh, hospitalizations. And then that turns into increased numbers of people dying, which is a lagging indicator two to sometimes four weeks later. So uh, while I, I, I don't know the exact context of Dr. Fauci's statements, if I were making a statement on, on that data, what I would tell people is you, uh, you have to understand that you're not going to see death until two to four weeks after your, your, your cases start to go up. And so it's important that you look at positivity, that you look at hospitalizations, and you look at deaths to make sure you're doing the right thing. But that said, as you mentioned, we certainly care the most about about deaths at the end of the day, Amen. and we're in a better place than what we were in February and March. And my last question is, and like I said, I hope we can talk again soon. Uh, Dr. Redfield, who's been on this show before, also said that if everyone wore their mask, we could be out of the woods on this in four to eight weeks. What do you think of that statement? And well, um, I, what I would say is two months ago, we were talking about people dying in the hallways in Italy in hospitals because they, they overwhelmed their health care system. And so I want people to remember that. This disease course runs about two to three weeks. 
which means things can get really bad really quickly if we don't do the right things. But it also means things can get better really quickly. In Italy now, they're playing soccer games again. They're going back to school. They reopened for tourism. And that was, that's two months removed from when people were dying in hallways. So we can improve this really quickly if we get a critical mass of people doing the right things. And, again, I don't want to try to force uh, – it's just not my personal philosophy that we should try to force people to do anything. Uh, it's that we should educate them about how they will benefit. And uh, I agree with Dr. Redfield. If we can get a critical mass of people doing the right things and, and stop some of those people who you mentioned who were just out there blatantly doing the wrong things, like hang it, hanging out in, in packed bars and partying without face coverings on, because that's where a lot of the spread is occurring – then we can actually fill, slow the spread and get back to some degree of normal. And and maybe a protest uh, or two with people running around in the streets with no masks. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Now, Dr. Adams, you've been a delight, and I appreciate your answers to the questions. Thank you for doing this today on Wake Up Tucson, sir. Anytime, anytime. And I, I, it, please invite me back, because and we'd love to get some, some uh, listeners calling in, too, because that's the way we, we have to talk through these things in a non-confrontational and non-political manner. And we've got to admit where there's uncertainty. And, and, then, we, and then we've still got to figure out what we do in the midst of that uncertainty. So uh, I love the conversation, and I hope we can have another one in the future. I will have my booker talk to your booker, and I will have you on within two to three weeks to answer questions from the audience. How about that? That sounds great to me. Hey, and, and you be safe out there, uh, Tucson, and uh, thanks for having, having me on. I appreciate it. All right, Dr. Adams. Have a good weekend, sir. Take care. That's Dr. Jerome Adams, Surgeon General of the United States of America.